Welcome to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubinstein. Conversations between Gavin and the people he believes have trailblazed by thinking outside the box in their field, industry, or even just in his office. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got two very special guests today. A bit of a different change to the usual real estate guests, but still very real estate focused. We have Tal Silberman from the Mashav Group, and we have Luigi Rosselli from Rosselli Architects. Luigi is actually one of the best architects in the whole of Australia. He has been behind some of the most incredible developments and houses. So we're very much looking forward to talking to you and unpacking your amazing brain. And Tal is very well known for being one of the most active developers. His insatiable level of detail and some of the best buildings he has uh, created for Australian homeowners to date. Welcome. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. How are we doing, guys? We we a little bit cold or are we are we getting through it? We're defrosting, so we're good now. <laughs> you were saying it was one degree this morning? Yeah, apparently it was. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, what what time do you get up in, in the morning? Tamarama. I think they counted also the wind chill. Yeah, know? right. Uh, what time do you get up in the morning, Luigi? I was a uh, first site meeting at seven fifteen. Wow. So five o'clock, yeah, get up. I went to the second site meeting meeting at seven forty five and then the third always in Tamarama at 8.15, and then the next one in Bondi at 9 o'clock. Unbelievable. Yeah. How, how many jobs have you got on at the moment? <laughs> it's top secret. Uh, <laughs> it's top he, secret. Doesn't want, he doesn't want to give a number because some of his clients are going to say it's, he's got too much on. Is it true that you can always be busy but never busy enough? Well, it depends on the, on the time of the day you ask me. At the beginning <laughs> of the day, you would say, yeah, it's never enough. But at the end of the day, it's too much. It's, <laughs> yeah, of course. It's controlled business. You know, it's a, it's a business. You've got structure to it. It's the word is business. You have to be busy. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And how long have you been in, in architecture for? Because you look at the Australian real estate landscape, some of the most exciting developments, I would say, you know, in the last 10 years, some of the most beautiful houses, the best detail have been created from you. How long have, have you been doing this for? First of all, I mean, there is very, very good architects in Australia oh, and, cool. and um, just scrape a little part of it. But, a uh, little European slice. A, a European slice and a, a Sydney slice uh, nearly 40 years. Yeah. Always in Sydney? Always in Sydney. And yeah. you, you, well, we, I've done one year in Canberra, yes. Yeah, right. But you were born in Italy, right? Yes, I'm born in Milano and uh, did my studies in Switzerland, a third Italian, a third Swiss, and a third Australian. Okay, okay, okay. got three passports. (laughs) They put a layer of experience, you know, which is quite international. I've worked in New York also, which is uh, opens and and broadens your, your horizons. This is how we came to work on Vertical, is that to broaden the horizon of commercial yes, construction. Which is yeah. what we're here to talk about today, Vertical. Very exciting project we're all working on together. I'm going to delve into that. In terms of commercial space, was it the first commercial project you've ever done? Oh, no. We started with commercial. I used to do um, fit-outs and com- small commercial work, like uh, fashion warehouses in the 90s, 80s and 90s. I did the Leo Schofields, which uh, for people of some age like me, it means a lot at the time. It was kind of the tastemaker of Sydney. And that was one of my first projects, which has also introduced me a lot to restaurant design. So in the 90s, I did 27 restaurants in Sydney. Right. So this is kind of like going back to your roots on a much, much bigger scale. 
Yes. I mean, it was testing ground for architecture. Restaurants, they're very fast and you have to develop skills in formulating space which are pleasing to the people, which makes people come, you know, remember and like the restaurants they're going to. And they're very, very, very tactile and very physical. So you have the sound is important, the light what you touch and the the materials and so on. That was kind of a good introduction to the residential sector, which developed after the 90s. With the 90s, you know, you had a lot of restaurants going broke towards the end of the 90s because of uh, GST, uh, Paul Keating saying that you couldn't deduct any more lunches and, uh, for work reasons. We had to diversify, so we went to, towards the residential. And having done all this experience with materials and colors and, and spaces, it was a very good, te- you know, testing ground. Then uh, residential, it's, it's always been... So the source was uh, eastern suburbs and, and the beaches uh, of Sydney. Why the eastern suburbs out of interest? I was living there uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, the people you know at the beginning and then the word of mouth. And so it's uh, it's a kind of a seed that spreads slowly and um, and consolidates. And uh, at the time there was no social media, so you had to to really count on, on, uh, word, on of mouth. word of mouth. Referral. Yeah. Yeah. Doing a good job for someone. Yes, yeah. Did you know you always wanted to be an architect out of interest? Pretty young, yes, very young. You know, a kid. My father was an engineer, right? structural engineer, and uh, uh, his father, so my grandfather was an engineer, and my great-grandfather were engineers. And I was the last of a family, so I was the black sheep. <laughs> and uh, for engineers, architecture is really the black sheep. Uh, Lucky uh, you weren't a real estate agent. You would have been <laughs> a real black sheep then, let me tell you. Oh, I, I think actually architecture was, was worse. Mm. And they knew a lot of architects in the farm. And, we had, uh, and in Milano, there was a lot of building work happening at the time. You had great architects like Joe Ponti uh, and, and all the others, which, you know, became very famous. With that surround, it was always a kind of great example to follow. Yeah. And tell your kind of entrance into real estate, or, or did you grow up in, in the Eastern Suburbs as well? Tell us a bit about no, your story. So I'm, I'm originally from Melbourne. Right, right. And come from an engineer background. So, <laughs> so I'm an electrical engineer by, by training. Right. I moved to Sydney in 99. Right. Yep. So I've been here a little bit. I actually cut my teeth in real estate via lending. So, right, right. so, in, so funding projects and developments and... Correct. Right. So I did that for a number of years. Yep. There were a couple of projects that needed some help. We needed to take over. When you say needed some help, give me, tell me a bit more about that. So we had a project where the developer went bankrupt and we'd lent money to the development. Oh, right. Okay. We lent money on, I won't get too technical, mm-hmm. but on a second mortgage. Mm-hmm. So we... Second in line to get your money. Correct. Yep. So we went, we got in touch with the bank and we said to the bank, look, we'll take over the project and we'll bring it to conclusion and you'll get your money. And so we did that. Bank was very happy. That's we were that, happy. That's kind of ballsy, right? Because if you're not in that space and you're just in the lending space, right. what made you kind of go like stand up and say, hey, we'll take over this project and develop it. If we didn't, we would have lost money. So right, right, right. in we went. Right? And <laughs> no one likes that. <laughs> no one likes that. <laughs> and so then we successfully uh, completed that. Right. And then about 12 months later, there was- Was, was that in the East? Sorry. 
It was actually out in Ride. Right, okay. So yep. outside the east. Yeah. And then we had an opportunity with the same bank to buy a property from a developer that went under in Potts Point. So like a similar situation. So we didn't lend money, but right. the, the bank were closing up on that particular developer for whatever reason. Right. And um, we bought a half knockdown heritage building to redevelop. That was exciting. Right. right. And that was project number two? That was project number two. And then we just took off from there. And so you got essentially a taste of, hey, we like this developing thing, so we're going to continue the lending arm of the business, but we're also going to develop. Absolutely. So it, it actually works hand in hand. You know, when we lend funds to developers, we understand projects pretty much backwards now. So we understand all the sore points. We, we understand what we need to do to make sure that everything works from our perspective. And we also come across opportunities to do our own developments. Yeah. Right? So right now we're in the middle of four, right? So it just keeps us a little bit busy. Yeah, it would. And I mean, what I find really interesting about you guys, I mean, Mashav Group is you do residential. So you do like high-end luxury homes, you do multi-dwellings, you do apartments, you do commercial, yes. you do retail. It's kind of like jack of all trades. A, like. a little bit. There's, there's similar metrics to all of that. Right. But one thing that we do try to do is keep to the eastern suburbs. Yes. Right? That's so we a just, golden we, rule. We, we love eastern suburbs. We live here. We understand the dynamics. We understand the market. We think we understand the market. Yep, yep. And to be honest, if I've got four sites, I want to be driving within five, 10 kilometers, not driving halfway around the world. Smart. So yeah, we do what we can. And what are you seeing the market doing right now? What sort of patterns are you noticing? It depends on the segment of the market. So if we talk about luxury high-end, we're doing a little project with uh, Luigi at the moment in Vaucluse. Yep. And, it's not um, little. That project's yeah, okay. not, that's not it. little. That's a big project. Um, but we're right on the cusp of uh, signing uh, a pre-sale for a, a decent amount on one of the houses yep. there. So that's pretty strong. Yep. We're doing a project in Bondi Beach where we've got the uh, largest the IA penthouse. penthouse. That's it. The yep. largest penthouse to be marketed or built in Bondi. How big is that? And uh, 341 meters internal. Wow. That's a pretty big Huge, uh, penthouse. And we've got a lot of interest with regards to that. Right? Sure, and sure. that's a reasonable price as well. Yeah. Well, I would have thought the issue with that is not so much interest. It's finding the right number because it's so unique, right? Right. And I mean, I, I do that all day, every day, but I mean, that's just an enormous internal it, plate, isn't it? We just poured the slab for the penthouse apartment last week. Yeah. It looks big on paper, but when you actually stand up on the uh, on the slab, amazing, right? It's huge. Outdoor, really uh, good views. Good views straight down Hall Street, so you yep. can see the uh, the surf breaking. Yep. And also on the back on the northern side, beautiful. Uh, full balcony that runs in full sunlight. So a beautiful, beautiful apartment. What's your favorite project right now? Or is that like asking you to choose between your kids? Yeah, exactly right. You can't choose. And they're all different. That's the beautiful part yeah, of it. Yeah. So if we, you know, if we, if we come back to Vertigal again, you know, we're building four and a half thousand meters in, in the heart of Bondi Junction of commercial retail. It's interesting. So we, we've let the ground floor to a bathhouse. Yep. Called, right? called Soak. Called Soak Bathhouse. Yeah. yeah really high and, end um, type. And it's, it's like a, Turkish Haman on steroids, yeah, right? It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And when I first mentioned it to Luigi, Luigi is going, I used to do that, right? I used to fit them out. And I met up with the owner of Soak, Nikki Dean, yesterday. Yep. And he said, I've really got to commend Luigi. The, the changes that he's made to the design from his architectural team is invaluable. Yeah, of course. Right? He just, he, he just loved it. Right? So, no, you didn't tell me that. It just happened yesterday. It just happened <laughs> Why yesterday. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> it was yesterday. Uh, right? But uh, so he's, um, you know, we're really excited to bring him into the building. It just adds, adds such amenity yes, to the building. so much value. And I mean, just to talk about it, Vertical is, 
It is the most exciting commercial retail project, I'd say, in the whole of the East right now. Right. But it's very, very unique. How did you guys come together and what went into Brainchild almost? I mean, it's just because you must have had some real strategy around amalgamating that site for starters right. and then executing it and tying it up with a beautiful ribbon and Luigi Rosselli, right, to make it different. I mean, where did that come from? Well, I guess I'll start the story. Yeah, please. So I, so I bought – there's three sites essentially. Yeah. So I bought one of them a number of years back. This is Ebley Street, Bondi Junction. Correct. So it was the corner of, I think it was an old baby kingdom building. So it was on the corner of, yeah, on the corner of Ebley and Lane. How long ago? Four or five years or something like that. Yeah. And so I tried desperately to buy the site next door, which was the RTA or Service New South Wales, and the owner refused to sell it, just wasn't interested. All right. So I lodged a DA, which we got approved on just the baby kingdom, kingdom yeah. How big was that site, the first one you got? Maybe 400 metres, something 400 like that. 400 squares, yeah. Yeah, maybe a bit less, yep. three something. And it was approved for like a, uh, I think it was a six or seven storey tower, no parking, yep. quite simple structure. Yeah. And then after receiving approval for that, I had one last go at the vendor for Service New South Wales and I said, mate, what do you want to do with this? Right? I'll pay you more than other people would because I'm amalgamating it. Yeah. Was your DA going to impact him, affect him in any way? Was that extra? Not really. No, no it wasn't going to affect him. Yeah. He was still able to fully develop it to its potential. Yeah. But when you put two sites together, you can get more than two separate sites. If sure, that makes sense. sure, of course. He thought about it and he said, maybe we'll do something. And six months later, we finally had a deal done, right? So it took a lot of time. So I'm to hearing, do that. J- just from the, the starters, I'm just hearing long game, long game. You've got to go long, long game, right? Nothing's a short game in this business. Correct. Wow. And, and then there was a third piece to the puzzle, right? Which was four strated shops. Same owner or different? Two of them were related parties, and then the other ones were, were not. So you had three owners there, four through there, you had five people you got to deal with. Oh, it was, right. it, was, it was interesting, right? I think actually what happened, Luigi, is we started working on the development approval for the two buildings. Yeah. Together? The two as an amalgamated site. With once, Luigi though? Did you know? With always, Luigi. Right. With, with Luigi. So you always had that view that you were going to get Luigi on board for this particular project? Not always, but I'll come back to that. Okay. okay. Right? So, that, so, I like the details. <laughs> it's, it's all so, in the detail. Yeah. So we started to develop the drawings for the two amalgamated sites on the view that the strata people told me to go away. And then I went back to them again one last time saying, look guys, this is what we're doing. We'd love you to sell and you'll make more than what you could ever make again in the future. Three of them agreed. And uh, so I said, fine, we'll buy those three. And I'll work to get out the fourth one. And the fourth one finally came along. So I think that whole journey was probably three years just to get the whole site amalgamated and a lot of persistence huh yeah you gotta keep going right? yeah right you just gotta keep going yeah luigi was working on vaucluse project okay so a residential us. development you're doing in vaucluse which you just kind of touched on correct high-end residential development i had a sort of thought one day and i thought best architect in residential let's bring him back to his roots in commercial let's see if this is something we can create something special <laughs> yeah i love that and so Very clever. Uh, so Very we got clever. we got together and you know, after a little bit, we finally got a building uh, approved. A little bit. How long was that process? Because you've got over... <laughs> I don't know, it wasn't very long. It wasn't very long. No, no, probably, probably a year. Because because you've got over 4,000 square metres. It's about 4,500. 4,500 square metres yes. of commercial retail. Correct. In the heart of Bono Junction, designed Correct. by Luigi Rosselli. And Correct. it's going to be a special place there because uh, the street is changing radically. It's, it's becoming like a boulevard on the north side. There's 
we're not the only development in there. There is uh, three development happening in the same time. So those vendors who sold Tal the, the land, yes, they must have been scared that they were going to stay, you know, the little thing in the and middle the of, a, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. A, of a eight stories building all around it. So now the the Westfields uh, shopping center is looking like a little gnomes next to us. <laughs> so it's going to change a lot the character of Bondi Junction. And I think uh, there's a quite a good development on the east side. Yep. There is a RSL club. There's a lot uh, happening. Yeah. Which is on a, in a new court and a new uh, venue. A lot of apartments being built there. So it's uh, it's going to bring a lot of uh, momentum. That street has always felt like a, the back of a parking lot. Yeah, which there's going to be was. a lot of life coming up there. It yeah, was. Yeah. They, yeah. It will change completely. And the council understood but they were very, very, very slow. And, uh, they always are, oh, Luigi. Very slow. You know more than anyone. Unbelievably <laughs> slow. So, so they needed a lot of patience, but uh, they, they understood and they believed in it. And uh, so that's how we managed to pack it together in a decent time. Not, not too long. Not too long. And yeah. what, I mean, because the building is sexy. Right, it's a sexy looking building. <laughs> like, where where was the inspiration for that design? Where did it come from? What were the conversations you guys had in the back room about what we want to create? What what did that look like, and and how did you execute on it? Well, I think the engineering background of Tal. This, this guy's got a background in everything. He gets involved in everything. <laughs> he was very practical. You know, he'd say, "Look, uh, want to maximize uh, the site. We like a very good quality development uh, that I will be proud for. It would be." a new example for Bondi Junction, mm. which the commercial real estate has been, there's nothing happened for, for the last 10 years. It's Bondi Junction in the east. To me, it's it's setting a new benchmark across the board, really. Yes. Well, look, the, the, the beauty of Bondi Junction is that it's a hub, right? So there's transport, there's trains, there's buses, there's heaps of people, heaps of apartments, people live there, there's, there's, there's Westfield. And if you think about the demographic of the people that want to be there, yep. right? it's companies that historically may have been in the CBD yep. and they've thought through COVID or since or whatever, you know, I don't more really want to be in the CBD, but I hire staff and the staff have to be able to get to the office, right? Yep. I might live in the East and it's easy for me, but it has to be somewhere where my staff can get to, right? Double Bay is an option, but it's very hard to get there by transport. Mm -hmm. So Bondi Junction is perfect for that, right? And there hasn't been a a commercial, like not even high end, there hasn't been a commercial development there for 13 years, right? So now we've got brand spanking new, beautifully designed, Mm. all the amenity that you can ask for. Mm. And on top of that, a bathhouse on the ground floor, right? It's a place where you're going to want to stay past five o'clock. Yeah, of course. You're going to want to be there. Yeah, it it feels very international to me. It feels very different for Sydney. Who is it going to appeal to? Who are the tenants who are going to say, this could really suit what I'm trying to do now and in the future? What are your thoughts around that? I think there's a, a number of options for that. But as I say, it could be family offices right. that have the CEO or the directors of them are based in the East. They, as I mentioned before, they still need to bring the staff in. Close, yeah. They need to be able to commute to the city. I think it's 12 minutes by train from Bondi Junction to the city. Yep. Um, it could be Medico, right? So there's... 
a Medical, lot yeah. of a lot of doctors in Bondi Junction, and it's always been fragmented, right? Super, it, yeah, yeah. And and so this is a, it's a great option for Medico to come into there. Yep. Or it could be large corporates as well. Yeah. Right. That are looking for either a Bondi Junction or a Chatswood or a North Sydney, something that's not necessarily CBD. Yeah. Something that ticks all the boxes. Right. Small business owners? Uh, probably not small business owners because we've got fairly large floor plates. How, how big are the floor plates um, on so, average? Yeah, so typically they're 500. The yep. biggest is 780 or something yep. like that. That's a pretty large floor plate. And we don't want to really cut them up, do Probably we? not. You know, we'll probably... <laughs> <laughs> He's it, conditioning me already. Exactly right. So, look, it doesn't make sense at this stage. Um, yep. Yep. You know, maybe in the future, yep. but, at, you know, at this stage we're targeting companies that have got a decent number of employees and are looking to bring them, you know, centralise them to Bondi Junction. Essentially get a whole floor. Correct. Which would be the ideal. Right? Yeah. And some of the floors have got terrace areas, like um, I think it's level two has got 250 metre terrace and, you know, the roof has a nice terrace area as well. So Which we, you kind of toyed, you toyed with a couple of options with maybe creating a bit of a, a bar, but maybe later, nothing confirmed at this point. Yeah, look, I, I think a bar will be hard just because there's a lot of residential apartments nearby. So nobody likes noise when you're 10 o'clock at night watching TV. But certainly for use during the day, barbecue area, somewhere for office people to go up and bathe in the sunshine. There are some views out to Sydney Harbour. So take advantage of that as well. The idea is to create a beautiful place for someone to go to work. And when will it be ready? Uh, as soon as possible. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, I've got to ask last, you the question because- 100%, like last quarter of next year. And is that like a typical developer answer, which is- No, no, so we've started now. So we've started right. soft uh, demo already. We're stripping the place out. We're going to start demolition as soon as practicable and then dig a hole. Right, we've got a double basement in there. We should be finished before end of next year. And Luigi, what do you think tenants in this building are really going to get from it? Well- the commercial space, the office space, will be uh, a bit inspired from um, some of the commercial space that you find in the fringe of a city, like Chippendale, Surrey Hills. They are uh, a, a bit of an alternative to the box with the closed windows. Our windows will be able to be opened when it's not too windy and, you know, the the paper's not going to fly through the offices. That's always good. We like everything. It's, they're very inspired to our office itself, which we climatize it by just opening windows, close windows, depend on, uh, in a day like today, okay, you close and heat. But two days ago, three days ago was ideal and you could have left it all open. And then when you open the windows, it's nice to have access to greenery, to, to plants. And mm. plants are very, very good for the aesthetics. The, not only the aesthetics, there is a word in Italian, benessere, the, the, which is uh, so say that word again. the well-being, the well-being of, uh, of the people in, who works in those space. What, what is it? Benessere? Benessere, yeah. Benessere, yeah. yeah. I like that. The benessere is uh, well-being and, and it's comes automatically just by being close to plants, close to something which brings oxygen during the day and makes it uh, the atmosphere very, very pleasant. You're using Dangar Baron Smith, correct? correct. Yeah, yes. also, I mean, you know, one of the best landscape architects also in the country. I mean, you've really got the dream team on on this project. Uh, it's it's the inspiration for the name Vertigo, right, is Verde, which is great. You know, yep. I'm not, I don't speak Italian, but I'm it's green in Italian, right? And yep. that's because when you look at the building, the green hits you in the face, mm. right? It's very, very green. Yeah. On both aspects. So we've also got, you know, solar cells up on the uh, roof. So it's green on an energy efficiency basis as well. Yeah. I always say if you don't have a view, which you do, you can see some some views if you go higher up there. But sure. 
I- landscaping is is one of the most important facets, I believe, of just aesthetics in general. And for yeah. wellness, what was that word again? For wellness, benessere, benessere, I like that. I, I hope this office can be benessere for you know my team when they start. Well, and and it's complemented by the the pools and in a spa downstairs into the into the ground floor and and the terrace which has got possibility you know for having a barbecue or cooking cooking something or eating lunch out in the in the outside without being locked in into an office space or in a lobby or in the street downstairs so there is a lot of choice that is get given to everybody so it's a really really good work atmosphere in a perfect world we would have liked to do also the fit outs of the of the offices but obviously everybody has got their own correct their own requirements which, which I think is good because, you know, tenants can look to fit out their space how they wish. And I think everyone's exactly. got their own, exactly. you know, agenda. So I think that's going to work well. In that idea, we would we tried to have uh, some space with uh, the original concrete ceilings yes. Uh, exposed. Yes. But in the same time, the richness of beautiful floor, like here we got terrazzo, we got beautiful finish, even the toilets, the, you know, the regal. The car park is amazing. You'll see it's very high ceilings and so so everything is is was well designed. The streetscape too is uh, so when you be a pedestrian and you're not going to directly to the building, but you're walking under the building. It will be remarkable because we have these awnings uh, with um, vaults, a little bit like an arcade, but obviously with being just awnings without columns. And they've got a very central concrete uh, shape of uh, arches, arches, arches uh, parabolic arches. The Rosselli uh, signature, we call that. A little bit of waves <laughs> and so on. It's got humph, that uh, beautiful steel windows at the, at the street level, which is quite funny because uh, you have to comply with all the rules now that, you know, that when you build anything public or, you know, multi-story, you have an incredible amount of rules. Yes. And... There was no rules for steel windows. There was for aluminium, for timber, for glass without steel, but no steel windows. So we had to get a, an engineer, which, uh, thank you to the engineer, <laughs> uh, which had to do a certificate saying, yeah, the steel windows is better than Tim. aluminium. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it yeah. will be as, as good as you want. So everything is really carefully designed. The lobby has got beautiful terrazzo floors, plants when you enter, so it gives you the, the theme of a building. We've got CGIs that we can send anyone who's interested. And for any potential tenants who are interested in the building, my man Jake Fard from TRG Commercial and Victor Negreen from Richardson Wrench Bondi Junction can help you with all of those details. We're going to put that at the end of this video for anybody who's interested. I want to finish off and wrap up on asking you one question each, because I'm sure the listeners would you know, love to pick your brains as much as possible. So we'll start with you. I mean, just, just listening to you talk about this one project, right? What I get from you, which is what I, I mean, I could only assume before, but only learnt now. Like we talk about this concept being the long game. Like, yeah. and it's hard to do that, right? You know, five years ago, you bought the first dwelling, then it took three years to purchase the other three, then get it together, and then Lodge Council, Landed Environment Court. What do you think the most valuable characteristic is to have of, let's say, a developer if they want to be successful? I think there's a number, but you've got to be really... Give me the top three. All right. So one, you've got to have very deep pockets or have access to funds, especially at the moment. Yep. Right. Interest rates are high. Costs are high. Everything's high. Yep. Uh, Cost of building Building is high. Are they they going to go down? Are building costs going to go... Are they just going to... Look. You think? I, I, I don't know, right? But Maybe not down, but they're going to plateau. Yep, gonna, okay. Yeah. Okay. At, at the moment, we're sort of at the end of a perfect storm, yep. right? So we had 
everything from COVID. We had supply chain issues. We've had builders fall over everywhere. And, you know, one of the keys in all of this is you've got to understand that the people you work with are your partners. So whether it's your funders, they're your partners, whether it's your builder, it's your partners, whether it's your architect, whether it's the whole design team, they're all your partners. Your staff, your partners. Everyone's your partners. And if you don't treat them as partners, you're not going to be successful. You've got to be in this for the long term. So deep pockets, long term. Long game. Long game. Yeah. You got to go long game. And you've got to think, you got to think long, right? And you've got to be able to pivot a little bit too. Yeah. Right. So when things aren't working the way that you wanted them to work, you got to sort of think about it, take a step back and then perhaps pivot, perhaps move, perhaps bring in additional partners, whatever you need to do to make things work and just keep going. I think the key is you got to just keep going, be focused on moving forward. If you move forward, you will get there. If you stop and don't do things, you won't get there. Can I ask just, I know I said one question. What motivates you? Final question, out of interest. For what? Work. It's just a drive. It's an inherent drive to create something. Yeah. Right? That's what You like to build. Love to build, love to create, right? You get up in the morning and, you know, I'm not at site at 7.30, but I'll be at the gym at 7.30 mentally preparing to, to, and it was still very cold (laughs) at the gym this morning. I was training with a jumper on. You've got to drive and I think people are either driven or they're not. And if you're driven, doesn't matter what else you do, as long as you keep moving, you will succeed. You make mistakes, right? We all make mistakes. It's a question of learning, learning from those mistakes. Yeah. I think that's that's one of the keys. That's gold. And Luigi, final question for you. I mean, you talk about being in the game for 40 years. You know, you're scheduled just this morning. You're up at five. You've got meetings, 7.15, 8.15. You're back to back. What is the most valuable lesson that you've learned in business, being busy, as you call it. I love that. I think it's a, it's a series of lessons, but um, what is the most important thing that I've learned is that you have to resolve a series of obstacles and problems, and each one has to be resolved in his own way. And it's a great satisfaction too. It's like building block by block with this resolution. And there is a lot of obstacle which goes against your first conception or first idea. The second thing I learned is uh, sleep well and cherish the moment between four and six o'clock or five o'clock before you wake up, because that's the most creative moment of your life. So you got the, the best ideas comes in that time. While you're sleeping or? While you're asleep, half asleep. Okay. Realize your dreams, you know, that it's people say, well, they're dreams, so you put them aside and just forget. But no, I think it's important to realize your dreams and go through all this torturous process of going to obstacle after obstacle. You know, you were listing councils and land of Arm court and builders and, and finance. Enjoy the process is what the you're saying. Don't be so fantastic. focused on the end result. Yeah. Learn to enjoy the process. You have to, to have a result. So you have to have a vision and then enjoy the process. Don't um, be scared by it. And I think it's, uh, you know, if there is a step back, you know, you're going to have two step forwards later. And, and so don't, don't be frightened by that. Yes. Don't, don't be discouraged. And if there's someone who let's say, isn't lucky enough to know from a young age that they want to be an architect, right? Because essentially, like without being cliche, you were destined to be a great architect because like you say, from a young age, you knew that was something that appealed to you. What advice would you give someone who's kind of struggling a little bit with, with trying to work out what they want to do and, and, and find their niche and their, their passion? What would your advice be to them? Architecture is a hard work. I'll first tell them that, you know, if you don't like work, 
Forget it. Forget okay. architecture. Okay. Find something just, else. Yeah, okay. Just but go I think that's on most to surfing. Uh, probably don't develop. <laughs> probably don't develop property either, right? But uh. yeah. And the second <laughs> thing, go surfing. That's perfect. And second thing is yes, you believe in your in your dreams, you know, and try to to realize them and uh, and be persistent. That is very important. Yeah. Yeah. Gentlemen, I appreciate your time. 88 Ebley Street, Bondi Junction, Vertical. It is. I cannot wait to see that dream come to reality. We're close on doing the second floor, I believe. So I don't know how long this is going to be around. If you're interested, get in touch. We would love to help. I just appreciate you guys both being here. Thank you very great much. Great to work with you both. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you for listening to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubenstein. Subscribe now for future episodes. 